technology is breathing and taking over Your, your human hands are let you in There's always complications with human skin What you don't start, you can't quit And I'll stand by it Till the day she quits on me Alrighty, guys, welcome to Wednesday Night Musical Osmosis, where intelligent, dissonant thought meets melodic, euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Source, broadcasting to you live, as always, from the shadow of Hurricane Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my percussively proficient co host, <laughs> calling in all the way from Charm City. I got it. Change. I'm getting bored saying the same thing for years. Um, Charm <laughs> City, Maryland. Mr. Odell Norman. <laughs> What's up, man? <laughs> How are you guys? Good, good. Now, listen, I, I want to warn everybody, just a heads up, um, Odell is black, but don't call the police. We are not in any danger. Yeah. <laughs> I repeat, don't call the fucking cops. Can Everything's you, okay. Hands up, you don't shoot. Dude, the last it's couple so cr- weeks, I mean, dude. Really, Real estate agent showing property. It, it's like, it is like um, calling the police on random black people for absolutely no reason. Is this a oh, yeah. nice fucking challenge, but for deplorable <laughs> fucking racists? Right. Oh my God. That's what it's, it, that's what it seems like. I just, I read one today. It was like a, a father, a, a lawyer in DC who was walking with, he stayed home from work and he was walking his, um, his baby, his, uh, I think I saw that solar. Yeah. Yeah. And then somebody called, it was like some suspicious man is walking. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. It, it, uh, it, 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 it it's almost you like that think, Starbucks thing started an ice bucket challenger planking fad. They were like, wait, we can call the cops on black people just for living their lives. 
I mean, they yeah. have one about, like I was trying to say earlier, the real estate agent that was showing a house. They yep. had, of course, the um, Yale student who fell asleep. Yeah. I mean, you, you went to Frostburg. You know people fall asleep in the commons all the time. Yeah, all that's the time. That's not a big deal. Okay, um, that's it. That's it. I'm going to start a new one. I'm going to call the cops on people shopping in Walmart. Like, yeah, um, excuse me, there's this very suspicious looking white guy and he's looking at the grapes. I need you to come get I feel threatened. I need to But isn't it some shit? Some drooling uh, troglodyte will come in the Shoney's with his AR fifteen strapped across his chest. Nobody's fucking calling the cops on him. Nope. But then somebody's just grilling out in the park. And people are like, oh, my God, there's a family grilling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're spirit cooking for Hillary Clinton. I I have I have no clue. It's one of those things I between that, the the young man that took his I think his sister was it a sister to the prom at the Waffle House got choked out by the police officer for for no reason. You had uh, just the other day I read I saw one two guys were at like. think LA fitness and one of the gentlemen, you know, came in and signed a guest pass because his friend had the, you know, the what membership. So he came in and followed protocol. And of course they called him back and they called his friend back who has a membership there. So he had to go back and re-verify. And then when they badged him, basically they didn't believe that it was his pop. So they called the police on them so like four police officers come in there and they're just standing there while this guy's filming this whole thing and 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 god bless the police in this situation because they just stood there and they were like basically sort of like okay we're here this guy hasn't done anything and you're telling him to turn off his phone so he he can't videotape this episode and and the police officer's like he's not doing anything wrong he's doing everything within his constitution where he can videotape all he wants that's awesome Apparently, the, those individuals got fired from LA Fitness. And All right, I figured oh, out yeah. what the next one's going to be. I I yeah. had a premonition. The Uh-oh. next one, the next one is going to be officer. Yeah, it, I'm over next to the Apollo, and there's a whole bunch of black people, and they're <laughs> watching these people on stage, and they're laughing and clapping. I think something bad's going to happen right now. <laughs> Yeah, but You're you know, about to go Django Unchained. I can feel it. Yeah, but unfortunately, to to most black people, it's, you know, when you see stuff, I, 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 if you talk, I would say nine out of ten black people look at this and they just laugh because it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's happened before. It's happened all the time. It, I remember. I'll tell you a story real quick. I remember when Serge worked in uh, Kmart and he worked in the sporting goods section of Kmart in the very back. So I went in there one day, I think it was like right before I left to go to college, my first year of college. And um, I went in the back and I was hanging out. I was talking to him for a bit. And then I- You had your AR-15, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I I was like, oh man, I got to get something out of my car. So I'll be right back because he was was closing up or whatever. So I go back in and then all of a sudden he gets a call on his phone and he's like down at the end of the uh, end of the the glass encased thing. And, uh, and he's like, and, the, and the, I guess it was somebody in the front was like, Hey, there's a suspicious black guy that just came in to, and he came back from your section. He went back out and he came back in and Serge being, you know, sarcastic that he is was like, yeah, yeah. Is, does he have a close haircut? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is he wearing a striped shirt? Oh yeah. I see him. I see him. Yeah. Yeah. That's my friend. 
And, and the guy was like, oh, <laughs> sorry about that. And just hung up. He was like, oh, gosh, man. I was like, yeah. <laughs> there was just no fucking remedy, dude. At least not during no. this administration. Like I posted oh, on no. uh, one, of your com- one of your posts the other day, like I commented. And moving on to things like that, let's talk about the new Childish Gambino video. Because oh, yeah. this is America. Now, I have been watching Atlanta for years. Believe it or not, I've oh, never dude. had any kind of um, inclination to check out Donald Glover's music. But with Ooh. all the controversy around the video, I was like, all right, man, let me check it out and I'll give it a look. And I got to mm-hmm. tell you, man, I was just blown away. So His let me tell you a couple catalog of takeaways. Is phenomenal, dude. Yeah, our daughter <laughs> is obsessed with it. Our oldest daughter, she's yeah. like, oh, my God, Donald Glover. That's like her Brad Pitt. Like, no joke. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of people's Brad Pitt. Oh, (laughs) right now. Super genius. I mean, it was a really powerful video. But let me tell you a couple of my takeaways, and then you can kind of tell me what you think about this. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, one, if I heard this song on the radio, I don't listen to the radio, but if I was in a car for some reason and only had a radio, I would turn the station. Mm -hmm. It would mean nothing to me. Mm -hmm. This song doesn't have any kind of impact without the video. The the visuals that go hand in hand with the way that this song is orchestrated is the whole ballgame. Secondly, Childish Gambino in this video reminds me, and I don't know if you'll remember this. Do you remember that movie Strange Days? It was like the last day of the year. And you remember Jericho and the police murdered him and that's what's kind of set everything off. That video reminds me of the Jericho video in that Strange Days movie. Yeah, and, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he took bits off of that, too. I mean, that yeah. guy is so deep into um, his, his art. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing. Like, I was um, watching, uh, I think it was Joe McHale, and he was on, um, like, Hot 97 or one of the, like, the Breakfast Morning. It's like a hip-hop show that comes on in the morning, so I listen to, I watch it on YouTube. And he was talking about when Donald Glover was on Community, with him way you know oh, years yeah. ago right I that. yeah and that's and that's the first time i saw donald i was like this dude is funny as all get up and like he said he was like joe McHale was like then he knew he was like this guy he came in and, and he was funny without even trying to be funny it was just it was a natural thing but he said in between takes he'd be over there making his music and like i'm like what are you doing and he's like i'm 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 making music you know and it's, he heard his wow. music he's like yeah yeah, this guy's gonna be. He's <laughs> working on another him. level. Oh, dude! I mean, Atlanta, like you said, is unbelievable. Um, and it's weird it, because I knew that he was childish Gambino. You know, at least mm-hmm. the season in, I just never had any interest in going and checking it out because in my kind of um, judgmental brain, I guess I was just like, ah, mm-hmm. it's just gonna be like pop music. Not because I don't uh, listen to rap, because I listen to, like, you know, I want to listen to stuff like Immortal Technique, Jedi Mind Tricks, something that yeah. has a deep message, and I just kind of wrote it off. And then I went back and listened to that song from the movie Get Out, and I was like, man, this cat is working on a different fucking level. So now yeah, I'm about all his stuff. Yeah, it's phenomenal. His whole catalog, like, the album that came out before this song came out, I mean, it was, you know, critically acclaimed. It's a phenomenal album, and it's a, and it's a, it's, it's not even a hip hop album. He doesn't do any. It's all. It's all him singing. It sounds like funkadelic. That's basically the way. I mean, even if you look at the album cover, very. It's very similar to like Maggot Brains from Funkadelic. It's that whole wow. vibe. So and then you go back before that, and it's like, it's it's straight hip hop. You know, he has. It's like him, and on some of the stuff, he has like Chance the Rapper. I mean, he. It, but it's a total different spin because when he came out, all the stuff that like. 
like the guys like Chance the Rapper and even, I mean, Kendrick Lamar had been out there for a bit, but it was very different hip hop. It wasn't, people weren't expecting it. So like when his first album came out, like Pitchfork gave it like a one star and they just brushed it off. Like, Oh, this is a joke. But then, you know, due to the powers of the internet and YouTube, people start seeing the videos and they're like, no, this is really good. This is really good stuff. When somebody just kind of jumps on and gives a one star and like, never heard of them. One star. Do you think they feel like an ass years later when they blow up and you're like, Oh my God, this dude's like a super genius. Oh yeah. Because if you read it now, like pitchfork, they kiss his butt. (laughs) Like, like they got, they got, yeah, they got raked through the coals after that. They were people like, what are you, who's reviewing your albums? You know, <laughs> like, you know, cause how did you get this one? Like, yeah, the dude's phenomenal. And I mean, you have that, you have Atlanta. I mean, he's Lando Calrissian in the new star Wars movie. Um, yeah, I mean, yep. it's, 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 he is he, everywhere. Guys, the limit, man. And that video every time I watch it, I find something different. <laughs> every time I watch it, I, I well, and that's another thing out. I wanted to talk about. My third takeaway when I saw it immediately, my brain was like, oh boy, people are going to dissect, interpret, misinterpret, and create conspiracies around this like crazy. And of mm-hmm. course, I was 100% right. Oh, yeah. So when you watched it, were you looking for the symbolism or were you taking it as it was or are you trying to mass interpret it like when you go on a comment thread, there's a thousand different Alex Jones fucking lizard people tr- interpretations of it? Well, I, it's, it's, it's sort of funny. Like the, when I watched the video the first time, you know, there was a couple, you know, the, of course, the, the, the parts where he shoots um, the person or, or shoots the choir. That was like, whoa, OK. But, but that's so thrown in your face. But it, it was amazing. All the, like I saw a lot of the stuff in the background. That's what I was like, "Whoa, that's going on!" This, the way that they handled the gun compared to the way that they handled the person, you know. And then the more I've gotten into it, it's it wasn't shocking the imagery. It was just how good he could, how good he made it look in that short of a time span. I mean, you got you know, the, 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 the pale horse with the grim reaper type person riding in the back. You got the, the one guy committing suicide, dropping off the top of the thing. Meanwhile, people are just filming it. So, you know, yeah, a lot of people look at it and they're like, like you said, the Alec Joneses of the world and, and those people, they're like, Oh, here we go again. But if you really look and dissect that video, he's talking to everybody. He's not just not talking to like, Hey, white America, this is what we go through. He's like, hey, black America, this is what we're going through, too. And you need to wake up because, you know, you're more interested in the latest craze than actually focusing on what's really happening. And it's like, it's, did you it's, catch it's, those absolutely. on your own, though? Because you said a lot of t- um, bullet points at Guthrie, Guthrie Ramsey, who's a professor of music history at Pennsylvania University, had mm-hmm. said about it. I mean, the white horse and uh, putting the gun in the red satin represents the red states. I don't uh, know. Yeah, you that. I, didn't even, I didn't catch that, but that's actually, yeah. So like Jim Crow and the menstrual oh, shows. Oh, that, yeah. Bamboo well, that was, that. yeah, that was definitely, I, I, I noticed that from the get-go. I was like, man, this is like, you know, that's one of the first things I saw. I was like, man, he's the whole, he looks like that Jim Crow type figure, the, the clothes he's, or lack of clothes he's wearing the facial gestures, the way he's dancing, you know, coming in all sort of smiling and, you know, and then boom. pants, they said were Confederate soldier pants. Yeah. 
So I yeah, don't know about that as well. I mean, there's just so much to dissect and process in that video. And of course, Alex Jones, you know, delusional asshole and potted plant said that this oh, was gosh. a voodoo dance meant to mesmerize kids. And it was all tied in with like the Hillary Clinton satanic cult. Oh, Lord. Of now, let me tell you what Donald Glover said. Donald Glover, because he was asked in a couple different interviews to interpret it himself. Well, you know, what were you mm -hmm. trying to say in this? He said that he has no right that it's not his place to explain or to give it any context or life. That's the opposite of the point. The point is, and I'm yep. paraphrasing here, is to let the viewer get out of it what they want to get out of it. Do you agree with that, or does that sound like a cop-out to not have to explain it? When you watch that video, no. I think it, it's one of those things where the more you watch it, the more, like you said, I think I've seen people's reactions. I've watched the reactions to people, and I've watched them from different cultures as well, and and it's amazing how some cultures see it as, you know, buzz in on the, the, the gun violence aspect of it. And then some people, you know, other cultures look at it like, wow, look at the, uh, the way those people are just filming. The, you know, they pick out certain things. So, no, I, I think it's great because the more you watch it and then the more you get reactions, the more you get responses, you're like, you know what? It's sort of like a really good movie with all those hidden gems in there. You're like. And that's that, smart, or... too. Alex um, Cooper used to say he would do stuff like bring a bow constrictor on pay on stage because people would see it and one person would see it as sexual. One person would see it as scary. One yep. person would see it as like political or tongue in cheek. And it's a good way for everybody to walk away from that experience with a different take and a different yeah. experience. And I think that's really smart. And I think that's what Donald Glover was doing here. So, like I said, hats off to him, man. I should have been checking out his music a long time ago. Yeah, he's a. It's one of those guys, man. One in every fifteen, twenty years that comes around and is true that it out. every everything they do, they they it's just on point, and and they continue to push themselves to find other ways to to um to improve on that. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Okay, last point on this, and then we got to get Anna in here. I sent you Nicole Arbor's satirical remake of this video. To, to, to take a masterpiece like this and just dumb it down to what this woman did is just, it's not something that I'm for. Let's put it that way. And yeah, her version yeah. is, this is America, feminist version. And she's poking fun at feminists. For people who don't know who Nicole Arbor is, she's this YouTube personality who got famous mm -hmm. for fat shaming people and just saying Trumpian type things. But from yep. like the blonde airhead character that she's playing point of view. And making um, every woman on earth look bad. Honestly. And yeah. making every woman. And that's probably part of her shtick. I thought the video was garbage. I don't understand. I mean, I guess when you kind of run on hate... And mm -hmm. just like, I'm just so angry at everything. It's hard to be clever or humorous. I didn't think it was humorous at all. I just thought it was like lowest common denominator and dumb. What did you get yeah. out of the video? I, I, I'm right with you. Um, another, I, I saw somebody made a really good point to it too. Um, I forgot who it was. It was, I think it was just somebody that, you know, tweeted their disgust about the video. And they were like, you know, this is very similar to when, you know, the Black Lives Matter, uh, thing kicked off and everybody was like well all lives matter you know it was like oh here we go <laughs> here's another aspect that you know somebody's throwing out instead of actually looking at it, looking at this video and act, like you said really dissecting what you know donald glover is saying and doing in the video and everything around them and and yeah it, I, I i i i didn't even watch the whole video i couldn't make it through it i was just like this is ridiculous and this is embarrassing 
And yeah, uh, I, yeah. <laughs> it was well, sad. I was, and oh, you know why bad. they do it? They do it because something in there has challenged their values. And the minute you challenge somebody's values, you put them on the defensive and they freak yeah. out and they just, I mean, they just lose their minds. They're like, Oh my gosh, you're, you're questioning. Like it's, it's like if you question somebody, uh, Oh, you really, you listen to Michael Jackson still. He, don't you know he's a pedophile and da, 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 da. It's like, dude, he was an amazing artist. He had, some serious issues but you cannot deny the quality of the music that came from that man like you just can't i mean i'm yeah. sorry but yeah it, it's and i think especially a lot of the younger generation is really really getting into childish gambino because they're they're seeing all these little things that he's pulled well, into his yeah. music and they're just eating it up i mean like i said well, beautiful- our oldest go ahead Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our oldest is just nuts for it. She just absolutely loves it. I mean, speaking of our children, I want to give a yes. shout out to our son, DJ. He is 17 today. Yes! I'm not oh, old enough. Oh, happy birthday, DJ. He needs to, yes. He'll be listening to this. Um, we'll have to get him to listen just to hear us say happy birthday. I'm not old enough there for this. You go. Um, our oldest graduates high school this year and starts college in the fall. I tried wow. to tell her to go back to kindergarten and start over because mommy wasn't ready, and she said no. <laughs> I would take that deal. All right, real quick before we get Anna in here, I just want to make kind of a um, network announcement. We are no longer recording live. It was just too much of a hassle trying to get that system, the Mixler system, to work with the Skype system. So now okay. we are just doing everything pre-record, so we won't be making a lot of announcements of who's yeah. upcoming because I won't necessarily be posting these shows in order. And really, when oh. you're the basically the only person that does what you do, and it doesn't, you know, work very well, then there, there's probably a reason why you're the only person that does what you do. I have to tell you, you <laughs> MacGyvered the hell out of yeah. this. Yeah, you I, did. I mean, you've happened. pulled some stuff out. There's been times where it's like, man, I, I can't understand a single word. It's breaking up. And then all of a sudden I listen, I listen to the playback. I'm like, holy cow, how did yep. you do that? It's like, well, yeah, oh, she did it. you want to have a 12-hour show with um, five Gambino. guests? Hmm? I Go said ahead. you were doing some of that childish Cambino voodoo dancing to Hex. I was, That's what it was. I was. and then it was like, <laughs> oh, you want to have a 12-hour show with umpteen guests every hour? All right, I can do that. I got you. Yeah, that was crazy. 12-hour <laughs> launch episode with 30 people. But yeah. I still didn't talk enough. I still came out. I was like, eh, I could have got another 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get tonight's guest on here. I've been looking forward to talking to Anna Moss um, from Handmade Moments. It is insane how long I've been trying to get her on and how long I've been following this because it's not, I'll, I'll talk to her about it. It's not the usual type of music I listen to, but I was just enamored when I first saw the first video come across my feed. Anna, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Hey! <laughs> Thank you so much for calling in. I know yes. you guys have been extremely busy, so I appreciate it. Of course, it's my pleasure. And by the way, I want to say happy belated birthday to you as well. You just had a birthday the other day. I did. I did. I'm 28, feeling great. Right on. Oh, How'd your birthday Young go? <laughs> my birthday was um, pretty crazy. Um, we drove from Arkansas to California. But we stopped in Colorado to go to the hot springs on my birthday, so that was nice. 
Nice. Man, that sounds like a magical birthday. I got to start doing like big birthday events again. I used to always do birthday events, and I'm getting ready to turn 47 in two weeks. But we're going to that concert, D, in two weeks. So I'm kind of doing mm-hmm. something, meeting up with friends and stuff. Yes, in if anybody is going to punk in Drublick the weekend camping trip, we will be there Friday and Saturday night as VUPs. And nice. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, if you can find me, I will buy you a beer. I'm not going to yeah. tell you what I look like. There's I'm not, <laughs> not going to tell you what I'm going to wear. Although, if it's cooler, I might be wearing a unicorn kigurumi because that's my favorite thing to wear right yeah, now. Yeah, don't put that info on Reddit. You'll have too many stalkers. That's right. But if you can find me, I'll buy you a beer. It'll be all cool. And you know, Adele, April's going to that too. She's meeting us out in Y'all. Cincinnati. Oh, nice, nice. I will be wearing All righty. Let's jump right in here. So about six months ago, um, one of my friends, I think it was my friend Nicole, had posted a Handmade Moments video. Um, I was kind of like intrigued. I was like, what's this? And this isn't something I usually listen to. I'm more of a punk underground rap guy. But your voice, it was like so haunting, so soulful, so infectious. And you and Joel's music was just so like it just captured me. And then I kind of dug into the lyrics, and I also found a great message in there. I it, it, Like, when I heard it, I just knew I had to have you on the show. Aw, cool. Let me ask you, do you get a lot of crossover, do you find, in your audience? Do you have people like me coming up to you and saying, hey, man, this isn't my usual scene, but I just really felt drawn or connected to the music? Yeah, actually. Um, and you're not the first one that's super into, like, heavier music that loves our music we'll play at a bar and people have been like, Oh, I don't, you know, I usually listen to punk or metal, but I like you guys. <laughs> like that's a compliment. <laughs> I really, I'm glad. <laughs> well, you know what I always say, if I feel a certain way, there has to be other people to feel like me. Right. So I figure if I'm into punk and I hear you guys and I'm like, Holy shit, man, this is really capturing my imagination. I can't be the only anomaly out there. There has to be other people who feel that way. So I kind of, of figured course. you guys had a great crossover type audience. And it's a little, the lines are very blurry. I don't know what our genre is even called. Um, we're definitely genre benders. Whatever genre benders. Great name for a <laughs> band in itself. Well, I you know, can see that in the band. Yeah. But we definitely play folk instruments. We play acoustic instruments. And I don't think that um, folk music is too far off from punk music in some ways. When you look at some of the old, the old folk artists like Woody Guthrie and, um, and those guys that were really making the big changes with their songs, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Definitely the melodies are punk. Singing for change and like very anti the machine and like very anti corporation. I, I feel like a lot of punk musicians and folk musicians kind of share the same sentiment well you know i'm glad you brought that up too because one of the things i'm a lyric guy i've said it on this show a thousand times i'm somebody who's more drawn to lyrics than music although it was your music and voice especially that caught me first and as somebody that sings about capitalism war climate change is another big one i feel like the things you're singing about if i was to make it a facebook post and put on my page people would be like screw you libtard screw you snowflake but you guys have such a great vibe and you guys have a platform, I feel like, you can reach people and go places message-wise that someone like me just voicing my opinion can't. And I think that's a beautiful thing. You know, it depends on how you phrase it and how you say it. 
Because if I just said exactly what was on my mind all the time, people would probably hate my music. <laughs> 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 but you got to package it in a way that, that's digestible for people. Because people get so offended a lot of times when, when, you, when you give off the anti-capitalism sentiment. And, and I, think a lot of, I think a lot of people getting offended is just people not knowing what's going on and feeling somehow directly uh, invested in something that you're, and you're attacking them. And that's not what it is at all, you know. Um, but I feel like with music, it's easier because you can tell the story and be removed. Your own opinion is removed from the story. And, and then people hear that and maybe they can, you know, take that, take that message from them, like for themselves just from listening to the song without you having to say well but it, once again it's also like you said how you frame it and i think you've taken these issues and instead of making them kind of partisan you made them very human and just like yeah. i was listening to bubbling water and it's like mr banker man it's talking about polluting the waters and but i didn't feel a partisan slant on it i felt a we're humans like you said against the machine and I, it sounded like more of a uniting message to me than a I'm on this side of the political fence, therefore you're my opposition. You you have really humanized the whole package of, look, there's a lot of problems out there, and this is a human problem. This isn't a right-left problem. And I dig that about exactly. you. Exactly. It totally is. It's 100% a right-left, or it's, it's 100% a human problem. I have a friend that had a band in Arkansas called Cletus Got Shot, and he's very... Uh, very, very similar, very similar vibe. But he had a cool line in one of his songs. He says, "It's not the left wing, and it's not the right wing. It's the whole damn bird." Yep, uh, yep. I think I've heard that before too. Yeah, yeah. So, how do you kind of delineate when you're going through the writing process of saying, "I don't want to go too political, but I also want to sing about these other things that I'm passionate about." Do you kind of set boundaries for yourself or do you just go, it's going to be organic and what I feel is what's going to, what I'm going to say, or do you kind of temper yourself when it comes to writing lyrics? Um, you know, I have a hard time. I have a harder time writing lyrics. I'm very critical about my, my own writing, but I'm working on it. Joel is, Joel, it just flows out of him. He's just a, he's just a freaking raging river of songs. I can't, I just, I want that. <laughs> I want some of his juice. Um, but I think for both of us, I could say it's a very similar process. We're not necessarily trying to say, this is good, this is bad, this is the way to be. We're just trying to tell a, a story and make it very personal. Personal, like a lot of our music, for example, Bubbling Water, um, those are real things that are happening in the, in the South right now with, with a lot of the big monoculture farms uh, coming in there and, and taking all the land and the water is getting polluted and you know all these things are these things are factual things that are happening but we like to focus on how they actually affect the people that live there same thing with invisible things you know with the whole right natural gas fracturing in arkansas it's the same story it's these giant corporations come in they do their thing and then the next thing you know you have cyanide and bromine in the water people mm -hmm. are getting sick and then the big companies are like oh we'll pay for your hospital bills but you have to sign this non-disclosure agreement so nobody mm -hmm. knows why yep. you got sick we want to keep making money off of this and it's that type of thing you know if you can just tap into the actual this is happening to another person 
think it's easier for people to relate. Well, not to get too much on a political bent, and I'm a political animal, so I always have to rein mm-hmm. myself in. How do you take the guy that listens to bubbling water and goes, well, you know, they're right, the banker man, yeah, yeah, they are polluted. Like, how do you take that guy and make him feel the same kind of connection and unity when he hears Elizabeth Warren say it? When he hears, say that last part again. When, when he, he hears Elizabeth Warren kind of say the same thing bubbling water is saying, how do you make him not be so defensive to that? Because it seems right. like people are saying stuff that it's like, well, this is kind of just common sense and for everybody's benefit except for the ultra rich. Why are you so combative to it? Like, I can never wrap my mind around it. Oh, man, I wish I could, too. I think it's just, um, I think it's just education. People, a lot of people in this country have no idea what's going on. Some people don't even know that right now we're in the longest standing war in U.S. history. People just yep. have no clue. And they don't, and I, I was listening to this podcast the other night. It was a really interesting way that they put it to the way that this like crony capitalist machine is now. We're all, all of us are just people with our individual gears and jobs that we're doing and we get our little treats after we do our jobs. But as a whole, we are this giant, we're, we're running this giant machine and this machine as it, as it is, is about to run off a cliff because what we're doing. Um, but we're all distracted with our own lives and our own things and social media. And it's just, it's just very crazy to watch. Like, take a step back and look around like, whoa, what's happening? I think people get defensive because they attach themselves to certain ideologies and, and ideas of things that other people say. But I, but do I, I do I think that maybe that guy really, if he's a, if he's defending the big banks, does he really feel that way? Probably not. I don't know. He probably was raised hearing that. I was raised very conservative Republican family. Um, not that I really believe in the diet, the the two party system. I think it's all kind of the same thing. At the Amen. It's all just bought out by big businesses and then they put in people in different costumes. Uh, but, but I think that when you hear something your whole life growing up, it takes a lot to question that. It takes a lot to, to say, wait, I'm going to think about that again. Do I really, do I really feel like that? I don't know. For me, it, it wasn't too hard because there was a lot of people around me, uh, outside of my family that were great role models for me and they helped me question these things. But I can only imagine that if I didn't have that, you know, those alternative thinkers around me helping me that I could maybe still, maybe I would be like very conservative and like, we need to get rid of Medicaid. All these people are still in our taxes. You know, I don't know. And I couldn't agree more, right, Adele? A lot of times people say something and I'll give you a perfect example. The big kick I've been on this past week is a month ago, people hated Kanye West and they loved Roseanne. And then Roseanne just came out with an episode where it's revealed she's on EBT and she stood up for this Muslim family. And here we are a month later and those same people hate Roseanne and love Kanye West. And it's like people are just like pushing their buttons and programming. They're like, hate this, love this. And it's crazy sitting on the peripheries and watching these people just do these like mental gymnastics. I guess I like Kanye now. I, I just, once again, I, it's staggering to watch people just go through these cycles and you're like, man, dude, can you not see what's going outside of your little, like you're chasing your tail. Why can't you see what's going on outside of all this? Yeah. And it all just seems like a big distraction. All these little things keep popping up and they're the headlines. Those are our headlines. It's like, come on. Yeah. yeah. Trump yeah. is a king of distraction. Yeah. Political prestidigitation. Yeah. So anyways, 
right, well, let's talk about the new album because I don't want to get too yes. much out of political rabbit hole here. The new album, uh, yes. Pop Pop Tree, which comes out this Monday, that's May 21st. Um, yep. It's been three years since your last album, Eye in the Sky, which was, um, was this release, I guess, largely because of the horrific bus crash you guys had in 2016? Is that why it's been three years since yes. you released an album? Well, to be to be totally honest, we released the last album. We I put it as we released it like on the solstice of 2015. So we technically mm-hmm. released it in 2016, but still, it's been t- two years since we've released it, and um, we were going to record again right before the crash. We were actually in California. We had plans to record. We were ready to make another record, and then the bus crash happened. And that was May 21st, 2016. And that really put a, that kind of put a halt on a lot of things. All of our instruments were destroyed. Um, Joel was recovering. He was right. in the hospital he, for He was pretty bad off. From, yeah. Know. He was in a wheelchair for three months. So it took us a while to get everything back in order. But it was a beautiful time because we ended up, we landed in Nevada City and we recovered in Nevada City, California. And we wrote a lot of the songs that are on Papa Tree while we were recovering. Oh wow! Pretty cool. So this, so this album's coming out on your the anniversary of the bus crash, then, right? If I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. the release date. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. So that's that's that even adds more. That's even more of a powerful thing too to know the fact that just a couple years ago you went through something that bad and seeing the pictures of that, uh, it's it's pretty amazing that you guys, you know, that everybody for the most part, you know, was good. Was you know, I mean was good to go because i was a, from the images it was a pretty bad scene and um to come full circle to to do such a tremendous thing is that's that's really special yeah it was it was cool you know as much as it was terrible it was very terrible it was awful but yeah. there were some really beautiful things that came out of it and definitely like a mental shift you learn to appreciate things wow. a lot more when you don't have it, I you know, bet. You can't. That's, that's, that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. I know the appreciation for like everything, not just music, but just for life itself. It's everything. Like yeah. when you can't walk for three months, you really appreciate walking after that. You're like, I love walking. Walking yeah. is great. <laughs> yeah. Walking rules. And well, and this so is what I, I was thinking when I read the story, because you had this like weird juxtaposition where you were like, Everybody survived. I'm happy about that. But also this running soundtrack in the back of your mind. We've lost everything. We've been living out of this bus. We lost all our instruments, like you said. We're losing all this money because we're not, you know, we have to cancel the tour. How do you, I can't, that's what I can't imagine processing is we're grateful to be alive kind of up against, man, we kind of just lost everything. That had to be difficult. Honestly, it wasn't at all. Really? Um, you think you think it would be? But in mm-hmm. the moment, it I didn't care. I didn't care about anything. I was just so happy Joel was alive. Yeah. Because him and I were taken to different hospitals. He was very badly injured because he was in the driver's seat. So he took the brunt of the two cars that hit us. Oof. And I was in the back. So I just had a concussion. I was really out of it. I had no idea. I kept forgetting everything. They took us to different hospitals. He had to go to a level one trauma center and get like eight surgeries done over the course of like three weeks. And so at first, when they took me to a different hospital, I, I wasn't sure if he was even alive or not. I was so confused. And that was horrible. And just right. having to spend, you know, I spent a good probably six or seven hours not knowing 
if he was alive. And that was the worst time of my life. Why like couldn't anybody my... tell you, give you any information about it? Because it was all, it all happened. I mean, it was happening as fast as it could, but, you know, yeah. it happened. And the place where the crash happened was about an hour from the hospital that he was at. It was about an hour from the hospital I was at. We were at different hospitals, different medical teams taking care of us. He had to be treated right away. They took him on a helicopter. They yeah, I was going to say, they had to fly him out. Yeah, they had to fly yeah. him out. And so by the time he actually got checked in and then they did all the stuff on him and they couldn't give me any information until they had him like in and processed and like figured out what needed to happen. And that took several hours. And for me, I wasn't even that injured and it took several hours to get me processed and to get me, you know, they take you in and they check all your, they check your, your head and then they check your spine and they do all these other tests and x-rays and blah, 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 blah. So after all that's done, then they allow you to, you know, make what phone calls or a whatever. nightmare, man. Well, we're two years out on the 21st now. Is this something you still kind of relive every day? Is this something that you're, you think about every day? Or do you have enough distance from it where it's not occupying your mind all the time? Um, I think about it sometimes. I, I think about it whenever we're driving, definitely. How fast yeah, it can happen. Yeah. How, how one moment you could be listening to your favorite band, having a great time on the way somewhere exciting. And then like in a matter of seconds, everything can be just changed. I mean, it's just incredible. And that's what people don't realize. I always tell people, man, everything can change in a blink of an eye. Even just a cancer diagnosis can upheaval your whole life. And I, I, you know, every day I look at the problems people are having. I go through these um, different comment threads and I see the struggles people are having. And it's impossible for me not to be grateful. You know, people used to always say when I was in my 20s, at least you have your health. And I used to kind of laugh it off. At 47, I'm in good health, knock on wood. And like every day I'm like, oh, man, I'm so great. My buddy Eric just went like just beat cancer, just beat colon cancer. And I'm just like, man, dude, I cannot imagine with everything I got going on in my life, having to stop and go through and get chemo for like six months, eight months, whatever amount of time you had to go through it. And I'm just grateful every day. And I think if a lot of these people who are so angry out there would stop a moment to be grateful for what they had instead of being outraged how everybody's taken from them. Like, I just think everything would be a lot better. I don't understand why people get so bogged down. I mean, there's lots of people who have more than me. I don't care. You know, it's like my gym teacher used to say in third grade, you're only in competition with yourself. Why is everybody so worried about everybody Mm -hmm. else? It's just, you know, and your story, when I read your story, it puts it in perspective. It's hard not to be impacted. Reading, I read a couple articles and interviews about the bus crash. It's impossible not to be impacted by that as a reader, as someone who follows your band. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely good. What I took from it, I think, is is just it's good to remember that cars are death machines and you could easily kill yourself or someone else. Um, So be careful, be present, and be courteous. We got hit because two other cars were fighting over who was going to be in front of the other while their lane, while their two lanes were merging into one and they were honking and the, one of them was flipping the other one off. And it was like, if, that, oh if you my could have God. just, if so you just pointless. let her in, then the crash wouldn't have happened to begin with. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, just, it's just as simple as just being courteous, being aware. And I think the world would be safer. You know, just let me kind of ask you a things. supplemental question here too. And this is totally nonsense question, but I have to ask, cause our friend B squids, her bus was named the Connie Francis. Did your bus have a name? 
Yes, it was Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh. I think every um, buddy who goes on tour and feels connected with that bus has a name, right, D? Yeah, yeah. all of our vans have a name. Yep, yep. (laughs) I I name, you know, I name every car that I have. I haven't named this car yet because I've had it for not even a month. But, you know, uh, and just for anybody out there that's listening, I have to drive at least a half an hour, if not an hour, to work every single day at around 8 a.m., which is, you know, when everybody's trying to get to school and to work and all these things. And I let every single person who's trying to turn or trying to merge in front of me. I mean, you know, within That's reason. That's great. Um, you know, so when I'm I'm getting into a lane where we're merging and there's two of us, I'll let at least the next guy in front of me or I'll let that guy who came to the stop at the same time as me, I always let them in front of me. I always wave them by. And you know what? I'm never really that late. Like, really? No. Yeah. Nobody's in that big of a hurry, no. just in your own mind. No. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Adele. No, no. I was just saying I see it every day. I, I mean, I work, you know, going into D.C. Well, I used to. Now, a little closer. But, oh, my goodness. You're talking about battles. The mm-hmm. fights that you're just like, it's unbelievable. And we're oh, all yeah, going the, the same. We're, yeah, we're all going the same spot. <laughs> but, you know, you're not going to go that far ahead of the next person. And people just. I mean, yeah. go literally got on the shoulder. Just and to, you know, to... at the very most, today I had to park in an auxiliary parking lot. I got in an extra hundred steps. Woohoo! Yeah, there are um, people that would be outraged by you that. You know, it's not going to kill you. I promise it's not going to kill you to be nice. I promise. Yeah. All right, <laughs> let's set this up. Um, we're going to play a song off the new album, Fighting the Mountain. Give yes. us a little bit of context to this, because you had sent us over a list of which songs you wanted us to play, so I figured these are the songs that you're really, really passionate about. Give us a little bit of context to Fighting the Mountain. This song um, Joel wrote, and he was writing it about about watching someone that you love really struggling with something, and you want to help if you can't, whether it's struggling with addiction or struggling with cancer. This song goes out to Joel's aunt, Mary Beth, who is uh, fighting cancer right now. And just being there, watching it happen, but but there is nothing you can do other than just be there with that yep. person and just be supportive. Oh, yeah. And I got to say another thing. My favorite song on this album, actually, we're not going to play it tonight, is Stones Rolling Back Into the Ocean. And as a Greek person who grew up listening to a lot of Greek music, my family would play it at all the get-togethers and reunions. This song has a heavy Greek vibe to it. Ah, cool. <laughs> Was that intentional? Do you notice the Greek vibe? I mean, are you playing the mandolin on that? Because that's what it sounds like to me. I'm actually playing um, guitar, but our friend, Maz, who is Persian, is playing. Ah, it all makes sense. There you go. Yeah. How many instruments do you guys play a piece? Because you are multi-talented. Yeah. We play, you know, I play mandolin on the first song, um, Coffee Chocolate Earth. That song is is an octave mandolin that I'm playing. And then the saxophones as well. But I play, my first instrument was sax, alto sax, and guitar and ukulele. And I also play bass clarinet as of the past couple years. And um, All self-taught? You know, I learned sax in school, so I learned from my band director how to play the sax. And other than that, yes, all wow, self-taught. And, and then Joel and plays um, guitar and bass. We both play upright bass. He plays upright bass a lot better than I do. 
and he plays mandolin. He plays. He he can play anything with strings. And his first it, instrument was was a tuba. And his sound, like he does all like for. And this is like going way back when you were talking about genre bending. Your cover songs are absolutely amazing. Like when my oh kids, yeah, you posted one the other day, and you were just blown yeah, away by it. When my kids, I have three kids, nine, five, and and soon to be three. And when they are, when they stop beating each other up and they literally listen <laughs> and they're like, who is that? And I'm like, oh, this is the group that I'm, I'm going to be talking to in a couple of days. And they want to keep hearing the other songs because a lot of the songs they know because they're just, you know, playing albums around here. And, and then they hear the different version. You guys is like instrument, like the, the covers and then the way you do the covers, like the, in the videos as well. It's absolutely, it's awesome. I, I, I can't. Like the Erica Badu, the Aaliyah, all of those, un- unbelievable. Keep <laughs> keep doing those things. Those things are great. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. Do you guys have any cover suggestions for us? Oh, oh I'll send you some. Yeah, yeah. Don't open that bottle. Because <laughs> I'll send you like, a list of all this obscure skinny puppy, Too Dark Park. What? And it's just like, nah, it's like beating the shit out of sheet metal. Yeah, you don't want to ask me that question. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yay to the tuba. I, I was only in band for about four days, but the instrument that I chose was also tuba. I was like, yeah, yeah. tuba! <laughs> <laughs> so cool. All right, guys, we're going to hit some um, Fighting a Mountain. Do, 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 do
process when you and joel are writing is it an organic kind of improv thing i imagine you got to do a lot of your writing let's start with this i imagine you have to do a lot of your writing from the road right because you guys are barely stationary yeah yeah yes we do uh for me i like to be i like to be sitting somewhere by myself usually drinking coffee and just being by myself that's the best spot for me to write and joel can just write anywhere he's just like whatever (laughs) He, and we're so different. Like I like to be in a clean space where everything is organized. And Joel is so inspired when everything is just a jumbled mess. Like if anything is just strewn about, he's, he loves, that's his best environment for writing or anything. It's like, yeah, I'm at home. That is good. <laughs> that is cool. How do you guys synchronize it? Are you guys kind of jamming out and just kind of keeping the best of those jams and just kind of honing that and putting it together? Or do you have an actual formula where you're like, I'm going to write this, you're going to write this, and we'll come together? Is it more organic or is it more formulated? I would say it's pretty organic. Uh, we should try to formulate it more. That would be a good task, like a good exercise for us, I think. <laughs> um, it would. You know, it's a good, it's a good you got to – you got to like give yourself the time to let that creativity come, you know, That's true. You gotta definitely make the space and time for that type of thing. And, you know, we're just playing, we play music a lot in our spare time and Joel's just comes up with songs all the time and then he'll bring it to me and then I'll add whatever I want to add or vice versa. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll make a song and then I'll bring it to him and then he'll add. Sometimes we write songs together and we'll just work on the lyrics together. Um, but I'd say more so than often, usually just one of us has written a song and then the other has added things and found a harmony, added parts, all that kind of stuff. Do you find it works better if you guys kind of go to your separate corners, just have a fury of writing and then bring it back to the middle and say, let's see what we can do? Yeah, I think I think naturally that's what happens. Um, maybe it's because we're both very self-conscious. <laughs> like, oh. I... I don't like to write in front of anybody because I don't want them to hear my stupid ideas uh, before I think that they're good ideas. Um, but who knows? That's just me being silly and self-conscious. So you're very guarded and, of your notebooks. You're like, don't look at that. It's not done yet. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know that and, feeling. Yes. Yeah. Joel's like, I mean, you couldn't read his notebook if you want tried. His handwriting is so terrible. You couldn't read it. After the cipher, like what was that Tom Hanks movie, um, where he had to decipher all those codes? It was kind of da a Vinci religious code. movie. Da Vinci, da Vinci code. code. Yeah, you had to yeah. Da Vinci code his notebooks. Basically, yes. Basically. Get one of those Navajo like decoders to like. Okay, alrighty. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Odell. Oh no, no. I just wanted to talk about. I know uh, it seems like uh, you guys are touring even more. Like you're getting ready to go overseas, or um, mm-hmm. I know that's. We're, how, how, 
is this your first time uh, going to overseas, or is um, is is this something new, or have you been overseas. over to like Europe or those places before? We've never played in Europe before. We've played in Argentina. Okay, which it's kind of kind of overseas. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, we, <laughs> you kind of go over to sea for a while when you're on your way there. Uh, but we played in Argentina. That was amazing. And, I can imagine. Yeah, um, we've played in Mexico and Colombia. Mm-hmm. But this is our first time in Europe, and after nice. this, uh, this weekend we're playing in Joshua Tree Music Festival in California, and then yeah. we'll be on tour pretty much nonstop until September, and that's when we go to Europe, and then we'll be on tour for three months over there. And I know you guys wow. are playing a lot of dates Ooh. in Germany over there too, right? Yeah, so our our booking agent is German. That's why. Oh, okay, I got you now. And that was super cool. He just found us online and sent us a message. And we wanted to go to Europe this year. But then, um, yeah, he just he just found us and messaged us at the perfect time. We're like, yes, this is amazing. That's it's awesome. Exactly the stars are lining up. That is so awesome. He booked us in, in Germany, Austria. We're going to play a show in Bulgaria, which that's going to be dope. I'm super stoked to go to Bulgaria. I'm, I'm really super stoked you to... said dope. I haven't heard anybody use yeah. that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very drawn to Eastern Europe and the Middle East. Those are places that I just want to spend more time. I mean, it's hard. The Middle East is tough right now. But the music, oh my God, the music yes. that comes out of, of the Middle East is just some of the most incredible music I've ever heard. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to, and same thing with Eastern Europe. It's just so different than anything here in the States. How are you guys kind of mentally preparing for this? Are you doing a lot of Googling so you can familiarize yourself with all the traditions and customs and trying to learn a little bit of the vernacular? Or are you just like, how are you, how could you possibly first time prepare for such a journey? Well, um, we have a lot of friends and fans in Europe already. So we know, you know, we know a lot of people over there and we've talked to a lot of people so what I've gathered from, from what I've gathered from all my friends, they kind of seem to say the same thing. I'm like, well, you're going to go to Belgium. You're going to go to Germany, uh, the Netherlands. You can speak English. That's fine. People speak English and they'll be so happy to speak English to you. But when you go to France, you better learn French because yep. they can speak English, but they don't want to. Yeah, it's kind of like stupid Americans. <laughs> I don't blame them. We're the yeah, only that's country right. that's not fluent yep. in several languages. So yeah. I definitely I get that. Doing, um, Duolingo in French. I speak Spanish. I'm fluent in Spanish. Nice. Um, so that'll be good for for Spain. But other mm-hmm. than that, you know, I'm, I'm starting to learn French. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Listen, to, We listen to a lot of different music. And I'm open to more from different countries. And we're always driving. So it's a good time to listen to music. I think that's always good. You know, um, Odell, you know Pete. Pete used to be, like, super conservative, had a very narrow worldview. But our Mm -hmm. family's from Greece, like I said earlier, and he had an opportunity to go over to Greece, and it fundamentally changed him. He came back and was like, like, he he started to, like, really expand his worldview, and he only spent two weeks over there. But he spent two weeks with family who lives over there and kind of showed him around. But it fundamentally changed him. Oh, it does. It definitely does. I, I, you know, just, um, you know, going, going to visit Serge over in England last year for a couple of weeks, just the fact that we were in London and, and, and there's just so much goes on in that city from all over. It, it gives you a different perspective on, uh, on a lot of things, how, uh, 
uh, more, it's crazy to think this, but how more accepting people are over there of, you know, different relationships and different interactions. It was, it was a blast, man. I, 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 I can I, only imagine. Yeah. Sadly, yeah, I've only yeah. been to Tijuana. I need oh. that. I'm going to go back to <laughs> Not back, dude, but go visit Grace. All right, let I me end with this because we oh, – I'm sorry. Go ahead, Anna. I was going to say, I think it's very important for people, if if they can, if they have the means to travel. And it's not very oh, yeah. expensive travel if you can stay with a family. If you can, If you have an opportunity to stay with locals and and kind of stay and experience a different culture, I think it's very good – for people, especially people from the United States, because we are, you know, one of the wealthiest countries in the world and, and have so much, and it's easy for people to just live in their bubble mm-hmm. and not and ever to be consider. ethnocentric over here. Yeah, it's, it's easy. It's not, it's, it's easy for people to just never think about other cultures or other ways of living. So it's, it's nice. I think it's nice that people can get out and see, and maybe it makes you more appreciative of, of what you have. Definitely. Oh, Definitely. I mean, I, yeah, so that's what, that was my takeaway from, and I mean, I'm closer to Pete than I am my brother. He's my cousin. And that's definitely a shift I noticed in his consciousness. Okay. I kind of went in with this cause we've got to get out of here. I am always fascinated by creative souls, like trying to balance the creative end with the business end. Are you an organized person where you can make it to places on time and you're kind of good at setting everything up and you have like you know, contingency plans, backup plans for when things go wrong? Or is that something you struggle with as a creative yeah, person? Yeah, all the time. It's the worst. Just Even just this interview today, I'm like, I got to make sure I'm somewhere where I have cell phone service. <laughs> and that's a task. <laughs> you know, I was just thinking about this the other day. A lot of people are like, let's schedule a phone call, you know, for business things. And I'm like, I have no idea where I'll be at five o'clock on Friday. I have no clue. And like, you never know what's going to happen because we don't have like a nine to five. You know, we, we can't predict where we're going to be. We're going to be probably in route from one show to another. And I know what times the shows are, but everything in between, it could, you know, you could just today we were getting ready to go to the festival and our starter went out and I had to go. Oh, to man. A, um, oh, that sucks. Take it to a motor electric place to get the starter fixed. And like it put a little wrench in my plans, but I've learned over the time to, to make as little plans as possible. You know, and as a creative person myself, Odell, the only way that I can kind of describe it, I always feel like I'm running, but I'm falling forward and I'm about to trip up and lose my balance. Like it is so hard to just kind of run and stand straight, like run for us. Like it's so hard to just stay focused with so many things going on. I feel like, oh man, I'm going to fall down. I'm going to fall down. I always feel like I'm running downhill and I'm leaning forward to the point where I'm going to hit the ground. It's just really hard for creative people. To focus, I think I'm a little bit better on the business end of it because I've done sales for so long. But mm-hmm. it's something that I struggle with in that it's very hard for me. I, I can oh, do yeah. it because I've done it for so long, but it's very hard. Well, I know for yeah. I know for me personally, it's like um, my wife knows when I need to do something creatively. I, I, I still play every now and then with a group of guys that uh, I played with over the years. And she can see a difference after I go and jam out with them for a couple hours then when it's been like several weeks and i haven't done it she can just tell she's like you need to go so you're an old cranky ogre if you don't play music for a while yeah i'm a little cranky and then and then you gotta also remember and you know this nick it's like md is that um when you throw kids on top of that in the family you know your priorities automatically get pushed to the back anyways because your priorities is raising and nurturing these kids to make sure they have 
everything that you have and, and had and more. So a lot of times you sort of forget your own priorities and your own needs. And like you said, Anna, like you said, like, Oh, you know, if we don't have the calendars, I'm like, Oh crap, I got to leave work now. Cause my wife has to do something or I got to watch the kids cause she has to go somewhere and stuff. So it's yeah. like, you, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> Life runs through a lot of curveballs, man. That's what I've learned. It does. You've just got it, to it definitely the podcast, does. You're going to rip your hair out. Yep. Yep. All righty. I think this is a good place to stop. Anna, I want to thank you so much for calling in. Why don't yes. you tell everybody where to find you on the interwebs? I know you guys have a couple different sites where everybody can follow you. Yeah, we have, we're splattered all over the internet. You can find us, um, you can, well, if you're old-fashioned, you can go to www.handmademomentsmusic.net, and all of our tour dates are on there. We're going to be in the on the East Coast this summer, and I'm very excited about that. And Facebook, Handmade Moments, you can find us there. Twitter, uh, we're working on being better at Twitter. We're very bad at Twitter. But we're good at Instagram <laughs> and Facebook and YouTube. So you can find lots of music in Spotify. You can listen to all of our albums. We have two albums on there. And then on the 21st, on Monday, we'll have our third album on Spotify. Yeah. Right on. And I know there's been a a lot of enthusiasm building behind this album. Because I'll go on your Facebook page and people are just ready to hear some new music from you guys. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm happy about that. Alrighty, and we're going to end by playing Where Do You Find a Time? time. That is kind of on point with what we've been talking about. And I'm assuming assuming this song is about exactly what we've been talking about, right? Exactly. Something like that, yeah. (laughs) Alrighty, guys. Feels good to be back. I know we took a couple weeks off. Anna, once again, I want to thank you so much. And seriously, man. Thank you so much, Anna. Your music resonates with me. Your voice, like I said in the intro, is haunting. Keep doing what you're doing because I think you guys have a lot of momentum to go out there and kind of engage people and invoke thought in a place, like in a way that I can't because people are just naturally going to be. I mean, there was one time I posted, damn, Chicago, I didn't know you were going to be so cold in June. I would have brought a jacket. And I had like 20 hate comments like, screw you, climate change. <laughs> just because I'm Nick Cat Source and everybody knows I'm a political animal and I tend to mix it up with people. But I feel like you guys really have a lot of space to go out and reach people and make them think. Kind of like South Park, right? Like not a lot of people are attacking South Park, even though South Park, if I said some of the stuff they said, people would want to like come to my house and shoot me. And I think yeah. it's really great that you guys have an avenue to reach people that everyday people who kind of just are plain spoken not that you guys aren't don't have just because of the kindness and human factor of your music and that's my biggest takeaway from handmade moments oh well thank you yeah i think art art's a good medium to get your ideas and opinions out without having to have that conversation with someone absolutely and odell what have i been pushing for months i've been saying art has never been more important than it is in this time period at least not in my oh life. yeah yeah I mean, art yeah is it definitely, definitely is. important and i used to give to a lot of different causes and now i just give to like GoFundMes for different art projects different music projects i'm into weaponized yeah. activity is what i call it yeah. i feel like the best way to rebel is through art right now it's the best way to reach people so bravo yeah. to what, all right Thank let's get out of so here all righty <laughs> um d you ready to hit it and get us out of here
Nothing. 